Welcome to episode 9 of the Better Than Yesterday podcast with your host, Angelo Kelly. If you guys are new listeners, I just want to take a second to say thank you and welcome to my podcast. On the Better Than Yesterday podcast, I sit down with top performers in their respective fields and just get a chance to pick their brain on business, fitness, life, just anything that I can extract from these individuals and why they're more successful than just say the general population. And this week I got the chance to talk to Emily Pappas. She is the owner of Relentless Athletics and also a professor at Temple University. She has a very deep background in exercise science and sports nutrition, but I told her before the episode off air that I don't have the background and knowledge base in the actual science, so I wanted to keep it pretty general and just talk more about tips on coaching, on nutrition, and just business in general and not go too deep into any one specific field. But it's clear from just talking to her how passionate she is about developing young female athletes, how she's coaching them in the Olympic lifts, especially girls who have never picked up a barbell. She's developing them into athletes who can snatch, who can do clean and jerks from the floor, and she's really just developing strong females, and I think that's such an admirable admirable position to be in because there's not a ton of coaches who are focused solely on females, and we got into it at the end a little bit on why she chose to only coach females and how that's been a hurdle in her business path, but I'm just so grateful I got the chance to talk to Emily. I'm going to shoot it over to the interview. I know you guys are going to take a ton away from this one, so enjoy. Okay, so we are live. This week, we welcome Emily Pappas to the podcast. She is the owner of Relentless Athletics. Hi, Emily. Thank you for joining us this week. Of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I just wanted to get started with your background. Um, What was sports like growing up and how did you start this business? Yeah, so sports were, I was always considered myself as an athlete, um, just in terms of my mindset. I would, I just, I'm a hard worker and I would run around all the time. Soccer was my sport. I played travel soccer up until high school, actually, where um, I Soccer, basketball, I didn't make the basketball team. Soccer, I didn't even try out for just because um, my family was like, sorry, we're not coming home from vacation early enough to do it. I wasn't good enough of a player. So it was more so if I made the team, I'd sit on the bench kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved the concept of being an athlete. So I'd always do like CYO stuff on the side. And then I got really into running and um, just like, what I thought was strength training, which was just like videos, like P90X, like I'm in high school coming home doing that stuff. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. This is cool. Um, Big science nerd, went to college and I uh, got my bachelor's in biological sciences with a concentration in biochemistry. So I'm a huge nerd when it comes to like orgo and um, any type of biochemistry, human physiology is something that I just am extremely fascinated by. The adaptive potential of a human being is amazing, in my opinion. And that's something that that's directly related to improving sports performance and decreasing the chance of injury. So with that fascination, I went to um, 
grad school to get my master's in exercise physiology. And during that transition, I found the sport of weightlifting just through like blogs and stuff. Didn't realize it was a sport itself. Saw it through CrossFit, joined a CrossFit gym and was like, I don't like this CrossFit stuff because <laughs> I, 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 was, I have always had great endurance, but I was never very strong. And I was like, I don't want to run. I want to, I want to get stronger. And I want to learn how to be clean and these matches. And I'm like, okay, kind of figure it out. So I went through a bunch of different online coaches. Um, during this time, I then found uh, Philly Barbell. Jim Rudder really took me under his wing and really taught me the sport of weightlifting. And then when I was in grad school, I was able to meet James Hoffman of Renaissance Periodization. And he helped me really learn the science of sport physiology. And just through these opportunities, I had just this immense opportunity to kind of marry the two together and really understand how weightlifting is not just a means for improving strength and power, but a means of improving your motor skills and motor skill acquisition and neuromuscular training is one of the most important concepts when it comes to not only improving athletic performance, but decreasing the chance of injury. So with that, I was like, yo, I want to open a business that provides weightlifting specifically for the female athlete, because this is a population that is clearly very underserved in this realm of strength and conditioning. And two, clearly isn't a need because the chance, the rates of injury continue to increase. Something here was going on. And when I was in school, I, you know, was reading all these things that females are just will always have a higher chance of getting injured because of our hormones or our anatomy. And I just, it didn't settle with me because I was like, how does that make sense? I like to think from larger perspective. So from an evolutionary perspective, if I was not susceptible for injury how the heck one did we survive this long two how did we not have some type of adaption during this process that decreased that so I didn't really like all of those things I was like this just doesn't make sense to me and I decided you know to run with the company and really just continue my education on the side and fortunate enough I'm now an adjunct at Temple University and I get to teach a course on female athlete development and I get to really bring about this conversation that, hey, this stuff we thought we knew about, cue angles and hormones, guess what? Actually, that stuff isn't as cut and dry as we once thought. And after we actually take a different perspective, let's look at not just the nature of what it means to be a female athlete, but on top of that, just like we're playing a sport that requires a type of body composition and physical performance. So what if we just trained our females to better fit the physical needs? Will we automatically see a decreased chance of injury? And turns out, yes. So is it, are these females getting injured because we are just innately um, predisposed to these risks? Or is it just because we're not being given the, the one form of training modality that we know helps improve performance and decrease the chance of injury? So with that, I was like, I want to open the company and not only provide that to females, but serves as a meet, an educational resource for different coaches, parents, and other athletes out there because they need to hear this information because it's it's vital to not just their performance but their long term long their longevity within their sport. Mm -hmm. Awesome, and you brought up a lot there. So I wanted to, as an Olympic weightlifter, so I'm selfish now to the snatch and clean and jerk, and I know 
how much it can improve your performance on the field. But what's that conversation like with athletes and parents who don't have that knowledge base? They they don't know what the snatch is, what this random movement we're doing. Why are we holding weight overhead? So how are you communicating that to your athletes and to their parents? Uh, I first start the conversation of just what, why females need to get stronger in terms of just simplifying things of we're exposing our body to a certain amount of load. Our body only has the capacity to handle so much load. When you start feeling these nagging injuries, it just means that we are exposing our body to more load than we have the capacity to handle. So what do we do? We improve our body's capacity. And the only way to do that just from a physiological standpoint is to improve our strength. If we're stronger, we can therefore absorb more forces. And then with that, I always explain that strength training is so much more than just getting stronger. It's also this ability to move our body with coordination and awareness. And this is that neuromuscular training that we need to understand um, directly relates to weightlifting in terms of the snatch and clean and jerk. I always tell the girls, okay, well, one, in sport, do you accelerate, change direction, and decelerate? Like, yes. I'm like, cool. In a snatch, we accelerate the bar off the floor. We change direction and then decelerate that load overhead. You go, these, I am training your body in the physiological sense to do these things so that you have the strength to do such then on the field with your own body weight. Mm-hmm. And then with that, I always explain this is the one, the one movement that I have my girls really focus on. What is your body doing? How do you execute this movement based on feel, not based on looking into the mirror? Let's feel the movement because by doing so, we then acquire these motor skills that will translate on the field in a much um, more efficient standpoint because it's like, think about it. When you lower a bar in a jerk and your body is strong enough to handle that load, your body finds the best position. You bend your knees, they're in line with your toes. Instead of having a girl, uh, every time you jump, knees out, knees out, I don't want to focus on that. I want her to be strong enough and allow her body to find that movement, which will happen in time because that type of motor skill acquisition is going to carry over much more successfully onto the field when she's under fatigued and not thinking about when I land or my knees coming in. We don't have to focus on that. Instead, we're teaching her body how to move. And that's this neuromuscular um, skill that is then going to better translate on the field in terms of not just performance, but um, decreasing the chance of injury. And normally when I kind of explain it like that, obviously using probably different words, depending on the person that I'm speaking to, they automatically have a buy-in. And it's just, it, it's a great means of just educating them from the beginning. And they really understand why so necessary for females to do these types of movements. Mm-hmm. And are you getting these athletes before they touch a barbell before, or are most girls coming with experience prior? Oh, 99% of my girls have never done these things before. Never. Okay. Um, so it's really cool. It's really cool. I actually prefer it that way because it's, it's harder sometimes when we have an athlete that comes in with a basic knowledge of what these movements are. And unfortunately, maybe the movements aren't necessarily the most efficient um so it's kind of like untraining her uh, previous mindset of even what a squat is to no we have to use our whole foot we have to learn how to move our body as a whole not in a segmented manner so 99 percent of our girls have like never done this before so it's really cool okay cool yeah and i think that would definitely be beneficial since so, 
like the people that I've been around, you come from CrossFit or you have a different weightlifting coach. So sometimes things get neglected and you're spending a lot of time. Like for me, I was basically power snatching for the first year and a half of weightlifting. And then I finally learned how to transfer over into a squat snatch and just the carryover that the, like the body awareness that I have and being able to power snatch correctly now, I think has transferred over into every, all areas of my life. Mm -hmm. So, um, you brought up an interesting point when I was listening to the Barbell Life podcast that I don't want to put words in your mouth, but basically what you were saying was some of your athletes need to only play one sport and not be multi-sport athletes. Why is that? Well, it's really going to depend on the athlete, but I like to think of, of any athlete in terms of how much volume can this person handle, how much stress. Um, and if we have an athlete that is playing their sport, and let's say she's a soccer player and she's playing soccer every single day after school because that's practice, and then on the weekend she has a game and a tournament, and then on top of that, because she wants to play soccer, maybe in college she's also playing club. Okay, so that's that's her sport, right? We're we're dedicating our time to improving our skill in that sport. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. But now, if she's like, okay, now I think I'm gonna also play basketball next season, and I'm uh, in, in the um, winter, and I'm gonna still play indoor in club. Then we stop and we say, okay, your body can only handle so much stress. What's the biggest thing right now? If you're playing basketball, maybe this help improve your cardiovascular endurance, but is your biggest issue right now the fact that you're just young and we probably don't have that much body awareness and we probably don't have that much strength. So what are we prioritizing right now? Um, the whole premise of multi-sport athletes is that we are exposing these athletes to novel stimuli via different sports and that's going to have allow that athlete to adapt. But mm -hmm. the problem with that is that when we think of the human body, if we just lay on if we just do things that result in fatigue but there's no direction for where that where that fatigue is going we just have overly fatigued athletes then that's going to learn translate into girls that are just experiencing all these overuse injuries versus if i say okay we're going to play soccer and you're going to tone down soccer a little bit in the winter just keep working on your skills and during this time we're going to then change the focus on improving your strength and your body awareness and your coordination and when we do that, I'm exposing her body to a stress, but that stress is directed. And therefore, we're going to have an actual adaptation that we want because I'm implementing these stressors in a very systematic way. We mm -hmm. just have athletes keep playing different sports. In the beginning, they will learn different skills. And in the beginning, their body will start to adapt. But without an overload of those stressors, we just have an athlete that's highly fatigued and not any better. Mm -hmm. And do you think that's different between men and women, or would you say the same thing? Oh, no, exactly. I mean, it's, I really, I, I focus on females because I find that they're a very underserved population, but at the end of the day, it always comes down to the level of the individual male or female. Mm -hmm. And we were talking off air, um, like, I wish I had a coach like you when I was 12, 13 years old, because I didn't, I didn't have any direction, and then... But I was a one-sport athlete, so I only played baseball basically probably from the time I was like eight. But I wasn't doing the other stuff outside to get me better at baseball. Mm -hmm. I was just always mm -hmm. playing more baseball, which sounds like 
a problem mm-hmm. that a lot of your athletes are having. Yeah, that that would see that would be something then that I would again highly advise against. And that if you're especially if you're younger and you're just playing one sport over and over again. Sorry, where's the novel stimuli in terms of how are we getting what's what's the point? What's the goal? Uh, we always sit down with our athletes in the beginning and we say, listen, there's a time to compete and there's a time to prepare. If we're competing year round, we never get better. If we're preparing year round, we're never going to be able to showcase all of these improvements where we want them to. So instead, we have to have all of our athletes and their parents understand what's the goal right now. Are we in preparatory mode or are we in performance mode? Because if we are in one or the other, what we do in here, and if you decide to play that other sport, it's going to change. It depends on what our goal is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And are you guys doing anything for mindset training with your athletes? Um, you know, that's another thing why I love weightlifting because that is a form of mindset training in itself. Uh, Actually, we uh, just had, I just did a couple of girls that you, you it's I always tell the girls, I learn everything about you the moment you step on my platform, because I can tell if you're a mental athlete, if you get in your head and you defeat yourself, or if I can tell that you're just like brute, let's go. Um, so mm-hmm. weightlifting is the best form of mindset training because it's mental to put yourself under a heavy load that you've never done before. And a lot of times you may have an athlete that defeats herself before that. And that I always tell the girls, I never had you do something I don't think you can do. So if I have you going for the flip, I think you can do it. And if you see them defeat themselves, well, then we step back on that platform when we hit that list. Um, And that's kind of, that's, that's the beauty of being a coach and having that coach athlete relationship. That There's different ways for me to motivate that girl. I have one girl that is like, only positive encouragement not we're gonna go the other girl i'm like dude you don't do that on my platform permit that lift let's go do it right now and then they will and now they're meant not just physically stronger but mentally stronger so that i love weightlifting because it allows me to do that uh but the way in which we go about it is going to change depending on the type of athlete that we're working with mm-hmm. and wow i've never heard it put that way um i totally agree though with weightlifting especially I've been talking to people as I get physically stronger, approaching the bar for a PR attempt. And it is so mental. It's crazy that <laughs> when once you go to the bar, it's like I can't personally like shut off my mind that this is a weight I've never done before. I don't know if I can get this overhead. But yeah, I think that definitely is a form of training in itself, training the mind. So I wanted to shift gears into nutrition because I know you do a lot with your female athletes with nutrition. So the first question I had was, what's the difference between sports nutrition and just eating for general health? Well, um, at the end of the day, there shouldn't be that much of a difference because it just comes down to scientific principles of how much food am I eating? Um, when it comes to sports nutrition, we have to prioritize that in terms of are we getting enough food for the amount of energy that we're spending, especially if we're dealing with the adolescent population, because we have to remember that population already has a high energy demand based on growth, right? It takes energy to grow. So for that population, our biggest focus one is are we getting enough food to meet your demands? And then for an athlete, we want to make sure, one, we're prioritizing protein because their muscle is the lean tissue in the directly related to their performance and their injury risk. So that's going to be higher than the average 
person that's just trying to be healthy um, because they rely on lean tissue quite as much in terms of special performance. Um, so for that athlete protein, and then the next step is carbs, because for most of these girls and the sports that we're dealing with, these are high intensity activities. Therefore, they're reliant on carbohydrates and glycogen for that high intense energy output. For an everyday person, they're not really getting into that state as much, and therefore they aren't as reliant on carbohydrates and those glycogen storage. So for the sport nutrition, one, are we getting enough food? Two, are we eating enough protein to maintain and build lean tissue? Three, are we eating enough carbohydrates to help fuel performance? And that is going to help with the recovery because we see a direct relationship between glycogen fills, uh, glycogen storage, and our ability to recover and fatigue. So if an athlete is playing a long tournament and then is not getting sufficient carbohydrates throughout that day, we're going to see a decrement in performance as the week goes by because we're not giving her body that one primary fuel that's going to help her not just recover, but perform. Mm-hmm. And how does that original conversation start? So a lot of, especially younger athletes, have no, um, I guess, decision-making ability in their food. It's basically, I'm going to eat breakfast, Mm -hmm. lunch, and dinner, whatever my parents make. So how is that conversation starting? So the way that we actually do it at Relentless is that we require all of our athletes, whether on site or online, to perform a nutrition assessment. Because we got to see where you're at before Mm -hmm. we can tell you where we're going to go. So we make them take a picture of everything they eat for three days. And that allows us to really understand what we're looking at. Um, because our conversation is should be shaped to the individual. So if I see an athlete that is only eating three times a day, she's complaining that she has stomach issues, that, you know, she feels tired all the time. Biggest focus is, oh, this girl's not eating enough food. So maybe that next step is going to be, we want to see two more meals a day added. Here's when we should eat them just so that we're getting more calories in. And then we're going to explain, we're going to explain to her why, right? That food is energy. And we are going to, especially if they're an adolescent, we want to talk with their parents because a lot of times parents forget that, Hey, my daughter's growing and that requires more food um, on top of all of the sports that she's doing. And you have a parent that is balancing her daughter and her son. And then, you know, maybe another little kid, it's hard for them to understand. It is hard for them to really prioritize. So it's more so us teaching them the importance of planning and thinking things out ahead of time and not making decisions in the moment because then you may grab some type of food that's maybe not going to be as effective for that athlete as if you packed her lunch versus her just going and eating chips because she's like, yeah, yeah I like chips and I'm not that hungry. She doesn't mm-hmm. understand why her stomach hurts. We're like, honey, your stomach hurts because you haven't eaten for seven hours and now you just ate a crap ton of food and your stomach's like, oh, insane. But it really comes down to the individual and that initial assessment just for us to see. We need to paint the picture before I can kind of fill that picture in. Mm -hmm. And I was reading over your nutrition um, pyramid. I thought it was really good with the um, basically the base and just how much food you're eating and the macros you're eating are a majority of the pyramid. Like we don't even need to worry about these top five, 10% mm-hmm. until we get these down. So I think mm-hmm. it is tough, especially when people you're seeing on Instagram, these fitness models taking a certain supplement and 
should I be doing that? Should I be fasting? Should I be not eating carbs? So how mm-hmm. are you how are you getting around all these misconceptions that are out there on nutrition? Um, our primary means is education and having that conversation with them from the beginning. That's like we we understand what you see. Um, here's why we need to change our perspective a little bit. And we find that if we provide an educated voice, it has a lot more impact than a voice that's just on Instagram and saying, hey, look at me, I look like this. Where it's like, hey, everything is based on the individual, but we're here to provide you with the science and to understand principles. So that we understand principles, that we can apply those principles at the individual level. And that's going to be much more effective long term and having an athlete understand how to look at food versus giving them little things. Take this supplement, do this, where it's like we're not having her understand the principles that way. So if we provide an educated voice and teach principles first, we find that it's just much more effective in the long term. Mm -hmm. And do you think like what are the benefits you think of having that one on one nutrition counseling? I've never had a nutritionist personally. I've always kind of went by the macro based calculator and done it myself. I kind of go off the mirror, but what's that accountability like between you and your athletes? Um, it, uh, it really just makes the athlete understand that this is a coaching educational process and that we're here to teach you. Um, we don't want to coach you forever. If we are, we're probably really bad at our jobs. <laughs> um, we don't want you more than three months. Um, unless like, that's a different athlete if they're like D1 and they really need specifically foods or maybe they're trying to cut weight in their off season, that may be a little different. But for the majority of our population, we're here to educate and education is going to be most effective when we provide it in that individual basis. So that's why we decided to go that route um, because it allows us to provide our service in the only way that I want my product to be kind of portrayed. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I wanted to shift gears one more time into business. So you are a young business owner. What was the biggest hurdle in the opening Relentless? Um, I think the biggest hurdle was that I got a lot of pushback in that you're going to open up a gym just for lifting weights for girls, no conditioning, no nothing. No. <laughs> what about agility? No. <laughs> I'm stubborn, so I'm, I'm lucky that I'm stubborn. Um, I got a lot of pushback, but I think the hardest thing was just for me to understand the importance of patience and understand that things that are built to last are built slowly and one step in front of the other head down eyes forward is really my mentality and really just accepting that I know this is this was a need and I know this need needs to be filled but the people accepting this and really listening to me was going to take time and it just had to do with not only developing a good word of mouth because reputation is everything, um, but then also doing my best to serve my population in terms of educating them. And it's really the hardest thing is just understanding that I have to be patient and that things built to last are built slowly. And I have to lay one brick on top of the other and understand that every time I fall, I just have to keep falling forward and learn from it and keep going. And I'm still in that process. I'm still a very young business owner. And there are so many things for me to learn, um, especially as I grow and I, my role becomes not just owning a business, but learning how to manage people. And that's something that is another thing I have to learn, but I'm kind of applying the same, the same mindset there. One foot in front of the other, things take time. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's awesome advice, I think, for anybody. 
So the one thing I wanted to bring up with your age, is it any, is there any challenges being, especially say you're working with high school or college athletes being so young in age and having that coach athlete relationship? Um, you know, I don't, we have not really, it's not really a, a problem just because it's, it's a cool environment when we have such different age groups because I always tell the girls, hey, you already got one thing in common. We're all badass girls that are here lifting weights. And from right there, I have something in common with my athletes and same with our coaches. And it's really, you have to understand your role. With a younger girl, my job is to be a role model and, a, and to really just kind of show her it's okay to be you and accept yourself in your skin and push yourself. And then with p- girls that are a little bit older, maybe I get to get to know them a little bit better and we have like conversations when I know things that are going on in their life with boys and all of this stuff but again I get to serve as a role model and as a friend um my role is kind of the same with all of them but the like depth of the relationship is going to change especially as they get older and as I get to know them more but I've had girls with me that I've watched grow up I had this girl we laughed she's my weightlifting child she started when she was an eighth grade and now the senior and she is I like I genuinely look at her she is my athlete because I have watched her grow and develop into this amazing confident woman and it's so cool to be able to know that I had a small part of that um so it's fun to be able to start with them young because now I know what it's like to see them grow so it's really cool if I kind of shape that because it's hard with the young girls. I'm like, what am I talking about? A movie? <laughs> like, what? But if I understand that my role is just to guide them at the end of the day, they look up to me. And as long as I put my best foot out there and really want to be the best role model as I can for them in time, we will grow and that relationship will continue to deepen. And then I have another weightlifting show. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I admire coaches like you so much that, because it's such a big responsibility that you're, with these athletes a lot and you're molding them, whether you think you are or not, you have such a huge responsibility. And I think that's an awesome place to be in, especially when you've built the culture and everything that you have at the gym. So I think that's just a testament to what you've built and the process of just starting slow and keep going and being where you are and having every athlete to come out a little bit better than they were before with you. So how do you balance everything? You're a business owner, you teach a class in college. What are you doing to disconnect at all? Um, I balance is not going I'm I'm not gonna lie, it's not my it's not my strength, but what I have found I'm a hard worker. I've always been this way. I like to work. I've had a held a job since I was twelve years old and I have not not had a job since. Um I love working. I love doing things that I'm passionate about, but I have also found that I need to block certain things out in my life because if I don't, I'm not putting my best self isn't there. So for me, I've learned um there's a cost for every opportunity and I have to weigh that opportunity cost and that not all opportunities are meant to be taken. Um, and then with that, I really like to time block my schedule on that. I know on Monday mornings what I'm doing and on Tuesday mornings what I'm doing and on Wednesday evenings what I'm doing. And then there's certain times during the weekend that this is my shut off time and then I must go out and do something. And whether it be I'm around people all day and I'm actually really introverted so it kind of drains me that I know that I need to have a recharge time and that's either that I go hang out just with a small group of friends or maybe I go for a hike and I just get some alone time um 
I need to have that in my schedule at the minimum one time a week. And I also one time a week need like a mental day where I just, I love researching and reading and teaching myself things. So I have to block that amount of time out because if not, I feel like that's missing. So it's really for me, I've found things that I need. I prioritize in my schedule and there's, I can't, can't ever those things go. Um, doesn't matter how busy I am, how much I want to answer that phone call or respond to that email. Mm-hmm. I need to know what am I doing right now? What's my priority? What's the cost of me not taking that opportunity that's out in front of me right now? And at the end of the day, just remember the big picture and remember that I'm a human and that this is a journey. And if I'm not enjoying it, why am I doing it? Yeah, exactly. And you're the second gym owner I've had on who's also pretty young, close to my age. And it can be so hard to just shut off and to answer that email. You want to get back to people as fast as you can. And but it won't last if you're grinding yourself into the ground forever. And then maybe when you're 35 or 40, you just have no energy left to give anymore. So mm-hmm. that is good that you have that time. I think that's cool. So what resources are you going to? What podcasts are you listening to? Books are you reading? Um, that's a great big question. I am a big audible person, so I hate saying if I'm reading books, so I'm really like listening to books, but I listen to like two to three books a week. Um, just because I really like teaching myself things. It's how I really learned a lot about business and stuff. Right now I'm actually reading a book. I think it's called Undistractable. Uh, and it's kind of about that stuff like turning things off. Um, and that's just good like refresher and gives you good ideas. Um, in terms of like business stuff, I love one of my favorite books is actually Profit First. That really helped me to understand a better way of creating projections for the company and how to allocate resources better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in terms of like research stuff, I just, I get, I constantly try to stay up to date on new stuff, especially involving female athletes. So besides like textbooks that I like to read and teach myself. In all those textbooks, they're citing resources. So you find the resources. You then read the paper. And I like to do that. One of my favorites is the sitting file that I was reading yesterday. Sex, hormones, exercise, and women. Same thing. Looking through that. Looking through the research. I get emails from, like, PubMed on my, like, uh, keywords that I want to know. But if a new research article came out, I get it. Um, I'm currently trying. I like motor skill acquisition. And I'm really trying to create a really big um, argument for why weightlifting is clearly my bias, but the superior means neuromuscular training. So I'm trying to do a lot of research on that kind of stuff. Um, Podcasts. I'm just going to pull it up. I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. I love um, the Stronger by Science stuff by uh, Greg Muscles. I think he's awesome. Um, I like, I listen to anything TED Talks. I listen to, um, I like a uh, clinical athlete. They, he puts out a lot of good stuff. Uh, stuff you should know podcast. Um, anything by Sam Harris or Malcolm Gladwell. I love that stuff. I like to keep things varied. Um, I like to have my science stuff I like to listen to, my business stuff, my communications and people management stuff. And then um, kind of fill in the gaps with like other random books that I found that someone recommends or something. But I think the moral of the story is I just like to educate myself. And I think that it should be, that's like a part of life that if I'm not learning something, what am I actually doing? Yeah, exactly. And the reason I've asked all my guests what podcasts, what books are listening to 
is because I'm just trying to learn more. So if I can take one book recommendation or podcast, and a lot of the people that I spoke to are very busy and Audible has come up a lot. So I'm a person who likes to sit there and read, but I know Mm -hmm. like I don't have a business off the ground yet right now. So I have a lot more free time where I can sit and read for 20 or 30 minutes, but Mm -hmm. you don't have that luxury right now. Not really. <laughs> it depends, though. If, I, if I'm doing research, like I'm reading pen and paper, taking notes. If I'm reading, you know, more business stuff, I'm just going to listen to it. Um, it really depends on what I'm trying to get out of that. If that yeah. And that's very cool that you're still on the educational side, that you're still in the textbooks, you're taking notes, not not a lot of people who are in your position are doing that. They, once they get the education background, it's just like, all right, we're going to train, train, train. And this is our philosophy. We're not going to change and we're going to stick to it. But I think that's Mm -hmm. awesome that you're continuing to just expand on your research and bring that to your athletes every single day. Thanks. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for making the time on a Saturday morning to do this. And I really just appreciated talking to you and learning from you. Of course. I appreciate you having me. Again, thanks to Emily for coming on. She was a great guest. I'm glad I got the chance to sit down and talk with her. One thing I need to improve on the actual interviews, I keep forgetting to ask people to plug anything that they have or their social media. So I just wanted to take the chance now to do that. You can find Emily's gym, Relentless Athletics, on Instagram at Relentless underscore athletics underscore and then her website is relentless athletics llc.com and she provides a ton of great resources on the website i was doing some research before i did the episode and came across a lot of her articles and just free content that she puts out she has a ton of stuff on youtube as well so i encourage you guys to go check her out if you want to learn more about her and then I just wanted to take a minute here to speak about how you guys can support the podcast. I am really trying to grow this thing, and there's a few ways you can help me do that. If you do like what I'm doing, please just give it a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps tremendously. It helps people find the podcast. And if you have any suggestions, any comments, please just leave a review on iTunes. I don't have any reviews yet. Um, I've never been the person to review podcasts, but I've started to because I understand how important that can be and just how much a little bit of feedback can go for somebody who just speaking for me, I just want to keep getting better at this. So any feedback you guys have, I welcome it. I would love to hear it and just thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate all you so much and I look forward to another episode next week. Take care.